Hello everyone and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Everyday Black History. I'd like to welcome you all and thank you all for joining me this evening on this Wednesday, September 15th already. Wow, half the month of September is already gone. Um, You know, most of the year is gone and before you know it, it'll be the holidays and we'll be looking at New Year's all over again. But it's good to be back with you all with another with another fresh episode um, just doing what we do best, talking about black history. This year, 2021, has actually the last couple of years have been a year of ups and downs, a lot of changes, a lot of, uh, you know, obligations that took me away from being able to do as many episodes this year as I wanted to. But, you know, life, life changes and you got to go with the flow. You know, but I'm here and I'm healthy and I'm thankful to be back for another episode of Everyday Black History. I hope you all are doing well. I hope your year has been going great. I hope your summer was great. I hope your fall is great. Well, it's not fall yet, but it will be fall in a couple of days. I just hope that everything is going well and that everybody's healthy and everybody's uh, happy. Most of all, that's the most important thing. But uh, today we're going to get into another episode and we're just going to have a a classic episode, what I call a classic episode is that, you know, we're just going to talk about, you know, just some inventors, some black inventors that may not be known, you know, that invented things that are um, extremely important, um, that are probably, you know, um, unknown to most people. But uh, we're going to talk about them. And we're going to highlight them today. And it's two women, two sisters that we're going to highlight today who are inventors and activists uh, who were inventors and activists during their time and who invented things that, as I mentioned, are very important, you know, back then as well as today. So the first sister we're going to talk about is a woman by the name of Lydia D. Newman. And she was an inventor. She was also um, involved in women's suffrage. And uh, she was known for her for inventing a durable hairbrush. Now, a little background information on her. She was born in 1865 in Ohio, but um, there's not any information regarding her exact, uh, the exact dates of her birth or death. But she was born in 1865, Ohio, and um, she spent the majority of her life living in New York City, out in Manhattan, in an area called uh, San Juan Hill. And San Juan Hill was an area of predominantly Black American um, and Caribbean uh, uh, folks, Puerto Rican, um, and it was one of the largest black communities in New York before World War One. And she uh, lived most of her life there um, growing up. Uh, records indicate that she um, it, she had put on different papers, one certain papers interchangeably. She would say that she's mulatto, other papers she'd say that she was black. But um, according to records, she was of a, a mixed race background. But um, her primary occupation was always hair care, and she always referred to herself as a hair specialist or a hairdresser dresser, and, um, in different directories in uh, New York City. Um, she also um, worked in uh, Newport, Rhode Island, doing hair as well during the summer season. And um, she actually had advertisements in in uh, different uh, newspapers out in Rhode Island. So she was always, not only not only was she an inventor, she was also an entrepreneur as well as she ran businesses throughout most of her life. Um, but she actually ran an ad 
in the uh, the Newport Daily News on July 20th, 1903, uh, showcasing her hair and scalp specialty. Um, the ad, um, the ad read, Lady Newman of New York, hair and scalp specialist, begs to announce that she has arrived for her ninth season in Newport and will be glad to receive calls from those desiring treatment. My original method of ma- magnetic manipulation positively cures nervous exhaustion. Exhaustion. Shampooing a specialty, 56 Bath Road, which was the address. So she was already thinking advertisement back then in 1903 to get her services out there out when she was in Rhode Island. So as mentioned, not only was she an inventor, she was also a businesswoman. Now, in the late 1800s, she invented the durable hairbrush, and it could be taken apart easily for cleaning because it contained a compartment at the bottom that could be removed from the back and be cleaned. Her uh, uh, patent was filed on July 11th, 1898, and it was granted on November 15th, 1898. And the hairbrush she invented is described in her patent as simple and durable in construction and being very effective when in use. Um, it's, you know, you can even look on the U.S. patent website and see her patent application. And uh, she was familiar with the, the United States Patent Office prior to filing a patent for a hairbrush. In 1894, um, uh, the issue of the official gazette of the United States Patent Office, um, she received another trademark um, uh, for the uh, Vita Cabello, I believe it's pronounced, which is a preparation for the hair and scalp. Um, that was filed, uh, it was actually filed on uh, June 19th, 1984, but it was issued July 17th, 1984. So she actually has um, more than one um, invention under her name that's officially under the, in the uh, U.S. Patent Office. Now, as well as creating her patent and invention, she was also active in the community, um, organizing as a member and or an organizer for women's suffrage in the early 20th century. And she spent her time canvassing neighborhoods in New York, hosting street meetings to educate passing people and to support the women uh, suffrage party. She also helped to start the Negro suffrage headquarters in Manhattan, because as we know, the women's suffrage movement uh, didn't. Um, didn't want black women as a part of it. So uh, black women who were suffragists, black suffragists had to uh, start their own and do their own thing to uh, get their their uh, message out there to people. And she was one of them. On August 29th, 1915, uh, the New York Times uh, noted under Suffrage Center for Negroes, the women's, it says, the Women's Suffrage Party is to open a suffrage headquarters for colored people at 207 West West 63rd Street on Wednesday. This will be in charge of uh, Miss Lydia Newman, who is doing excellent work for suffrage among her own people. The headquarters will be gaily decorated with suffrage posters, flags, and streamers. Many colored women have been asked to play hostess at the new headquarters while Miss Newman goes canvassing among voters in the neighborhood. So the New York Times actually did an article on her a little piece on her helping to promote uh, what she was doing at this time back in 1915. They even followed up with a second news blurb um, about uh, the work she was doing 
um, in the suffrage movement. And they did a lot to help put it, put her work out there. And she was very active during this time because this second one was in was uh, a couple of weeks later in September of 1915, in which uh, it just talked again about her work, um, how she was canvassing the neighborhood, organizing street meetings. Um, and uh, working with you know anybody who she could, getting educated uh, black men and women, or mostly women, actually you know, only women. What am I talking about? To uh, speak at uh, these gatherings at the Negro Suffrage Headquarters, as it was called. So, um, you know, she she did a lot during that time as far as activism um, to help uh, uh, get her, you know, to help women get the right to vote and. And fight for equality, you know. So Lydia D. Newman, you know, is probably not a name that many people even know about. Up until recently, you know, I, you know, kind of wasn't really familiar with her until I started to do more research. So, you know, that's a name that should go up there with uh, Ida B. Wells and other well-known black women who did so much um, during this time and as activists, as as business owners, as inventors. Uh, so remember that name, Lydia D. Newman. Um, we thank you for your contribution to black history and black culture, and we salute you, uh, Miss Lydia D. Newman. The second woman we're going to highlight today is a sister by the name of Mary Beatrice Kenner. And uh, Mary Kenner, she was also an inventor, and uh, she's most noted for her development of the adjustable sanitary belt. And uh, so her invention was the precursor to what is known as uh, maxi pads for you know or, or women's sanitary pads however you want to refer to it but um she uh, actually has uh, a, a few patents under her belt and she was also an inventor as well as a businesswoman uh, she was born in charlotte north carolina in 1912 on may 17th and she came from a family of inventors her father, whom she credited for her initial interest in discovery, was Sidney Nathaniel Davidson. Davidson, sorry, um, because she was born Mary Beatrice Davidson. But her dad, Sidney Nathaniel Davidson, um, was also an inventor, and he patented a clothing press, which would fit in suitcases. Um, he didn't make any money on the invention, but still, just the fact that he had the ingenuity to, you know, invent something like this. And, you know, he was born in the 1890s. So this shows you, um, you know, our, our, our genius as a people. Her father also patented a window washer for trains, and he also invented a stretcher with wheels for ambulances. Now, whether or not that's the stretcher that was used years later, just the fact that he invented something that could have, you know, sparked someone else's interest to invent stretchers that they use back then, even to this day, for ambulances. But just to think that he was you know, so ahead of his time with his inventions, whether he made money on them or not. Her grandfather invented a light signal for trains. Now, this invention was stolen from him by a white man, um, but still, he invented a light signal for, for trains. Her sister, Mildred Davidson, um, invented, patented, and commercially sold board games. So father, grandfather, sister, Everybody is inventing is inventing things in, in in the Davidson family, you know, when she was when she was growing up. So she had a lot of, um, you know, she had a lot of ingenuity around her, which sparked her interest 
in inventing things and seeing a ways around problems and inventing things to solve those problems. She graduated from high school in 1931, and she also attended Howard, Uni Howard University. And she was unable to finish due to financial difficulties, and she didn't receive her college degree, but, you know, that didn't stop her from succeeding, you know, from being successful. At this time, women were kept out of scientific establishments or academic institutions. Um, so she had that going against her, not to mention the fact that she was black. So she was a black woman. So you can imagine how hard it was for her. Um, you know, her and her family moved to D.C. when she was young. And um, and it was where she stayed to keep updating on her opportunities to have her ideas patented at the United States Patent and Trademark Office. And it's all right there in D.C. So despite the fact that she had things going against her, she still was able to succeed and uh, be an inventor and a businesswoman. So her inventions. She invented an adjustable sanitary belt with an inbuilt moisture-proof napkin pocket. And she completed the patent application for her invention in 1954. And two years later, the application was approved. Um, the invention was described as an eliminator for chafing and irritation normally caused by devices of its class. Now, the company that first showed interest in her invention um, rejected it after they discovered that she was black. Now, isn't that a shame? Something that can help, you know, every woman in the country, in the world, uh, what wasn't, wasn't um, uh, bought by a company because of the fact that the person who invented it, the woman who invented it, was black. So, you know, she never made any money from the sanitary belt because her patent expired and became public domain, which allowed it to be manufactured freely, which is why she's not known as the inventor of um, sanitary napkins or, or, or pads, sanitary pads. She later invented a modification of the sanitary belt that included a moisture resistant pocket. She actually did an interview talking about it where she said, one day I was contacted by a company that expressed all that expressed an interest in marketing my idea. I was so jubilant, I saw houses, cars, and everything about to come in to come my way. A representative made their way to Washington to speak with Kenner, and she continues to explain that they had rejected her by saying, sorry to say, when they found out I was black, their interest dropped. This is her this is her speaking. The representative went back to New York and informed me the company was no longer interested. Um, the name of this company was called the Soon Nat Pack Company. Uh, probably doesn't even exist anymore. I've never heard of it, so it more than likely doesn't exist. And if it does, it's in some small town in you know nowhere USA. But doubtful that it exists. But so that's why you know she doesn't get credit for it, just because the company that was gonna that was gonna buy from her decided that they didn't want to go into business with a black woman. Now, between 1956 and 1987, she received five total patents for her household and personal item creations. She shared the patent on the toilet tissue holder with her sister, Mildred Davison, and she also held a, pat a patent on a backwasher that could be mount mounted on the shower or bathtub wall, also known as a backwash. So, you know, a lot, I'm sure many of you seen you know, but my, you know, they're not popular as popular today. But back in the days, you see a lot of those backwashers. You know, growing up, we had one. I mean, I wish I had known when I was a kid that the woman who invented it, you know, <laughs> was a black woman. That would have been 
you know, mind blowing to know that. Um, now, that invention was patented in 1987, and there's a patent number to go with it as well. She also patented the carrier attachment for a walker in 1959 after her sister developed multiple sclerosis. Um, now, she, um, you know, despite all the inventions and, you know, she, obviously she was busy, she was working, she was inventing things. She, you know, um, she married in 19... 19- uh, 45, then divorced and got married again to a uh, renowned heavyweight boxer by the name of James Jabo Kenner. That's where she gets the Kenner last name from. But um, she, as mentioned, she operated a business for 23 years where she had, a, a, was, she was a floral, a floral arranger. She was a professional floral arranger and she had four flower shops scattered around the DC area that she operated for 23 years after she dropped out of college. So that's why I was mentioning before how despite the fact that she dropped out of college because of financial difficulties and didn't get a degree and, you know, was was held back out of academia and scientific discoveries because of her being a black woman, she still she still was a, a success, um, you know, maintaining four flower shops throughout D.C. and operating that business for years while also inventing things and receiving multiple patents for her invention so i mean you know the her 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 contribution to history not just black history just history is 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 it can't even be said in words she died january the 13th 2006 at the age of 93 so she lived a, a nice long life nice long life but we wanted to highlight her because many people don't know about her either, you know, and what she's accomplished and what she's given to history and to our culture. So, Mary Kenner, we salute you for your contribution contribution to black history, black culture, and for your contribution to history in general. So, we just wanted to highlight these two beautiful black women and what they uh, did for <laughs> mankind, let's just say that. And uh, we just wanted to highlight and talk about them, you know, for this episode. And, um, you know, just, you know, happy to be back. And thank you all for all your support throughout these last few years. And um, I hope everyone is doing well. I hope you enjoy this episode of Everyday Black History. So that concludes this episode. And um, I hope you all enjoy the rest of your week. And we'll be coming at you soon with more Black History. So stay tuned for the next episode.